sorry we're we're kind of a little choppy getting started. Um, we've but, got a lot of. But stuff we wanted going to be consistent, today. and because I had suggested, hey, let's not do live stream today, and all was like, no, we should do it, and I'm like, That's right, because okay. I care about you guys, okay? <laughs> all three of you. But Hello, what? and welcome to Life, Death, and Cookies. So um, if you're joining us for the first time, please remember to follow us here on Rumble or wherever wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of the podcast probably won't come out until sometime tomorrow because of, like we said, we're, we're kind of busy today with getting the, the party ready. And we aren't ones that just go and buy all of the food. It's all... Um, scratch made and so yep so if you are anywhere near kansas city you might want to come here <laughs> because we're making some good stuff yeah it smells good already i have i just recently put a couple legs of lamb out on the smoker so uh, and this is kind of a treatment that i came up with last month i'd never done it before it turned out really good so today is uh, part two of that experiment, which is repeat the experiment and see if you can replicate results. So I don't know. I mean, I may need people to come and help me to know if I am replicating results. Uh, so, you yeah. know, if you're anywhere near here and you're like, well, hey, I don't know where you guys live, well, then just send us a message and we can let you know. If you're not near here, sorry. So we should probably get on to the nitty gritty. Fine. <laughs> Okay. Which we will be talking about today, saying I forgive you to an important person in your life. Um, especially because we talk about life and death, you know, especially before death. I mean, obviously you can't really say it after they die anyway. But, um, but we'll focus today on healthy relationships. Because, um, anyway, I'll explain that a little bit later. But... Basically, today is saying, I forgive you. Um, and so a question that we'll be discussing later um, is, do you think saying, I forgive you, with no other explanation would be awkward? And of course, you could just answer yes or no, but you can also... We would like a little <laughs> bit more than a yes It's no. not really a yes or no question. It's, tell us why you think that, because we're going to tell why we right. think that. So be prepared for that. And then also our new segment to get you um, involved in the podcast. Our fun question is, what is your dream job? So, so, uh, so yeah, please comment. comment. Uh, you can comment while we're going at this and we're going to come back around and look at comments, questions, all that kind of stuff later on. Yeah. So we please uh, do comment, uh, like this, share it, all, all the stuff. You know, I have to say it. I'm I'm contractually obligated, actually. Um, oh really? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I, I won't get paid if I don't say it. <laughs> well, I'm not getting paid anyway. But <laughs> um, whatever. So let's start with the definition of forgiveness because if we're going to talk about it, we should know what it is. So I looked um, from the American Heritage Dictionary online. It says, to give up resentment against or stop wanting to punish someone for an offense or fault, or to relent in being angry or in wishing to exact punishment for an offense or fault. So, okay. yeah, I'm, I have a quote too, but maybe I'll let you read the quote. Okay, so the quote is Dr. Sidney Simon, forgiveness is freeing up and putting to better use the energy once consumed by holding grudges, harboring resentments, and nursing unhealed wounds. It is rediscovering strengths we always had and relocating our limitless capacity to understand and accept other people and ourselves. So I think that all of those uh, definitions are fine. Uh, the thing that I think is missing in these definitions is that especially amongst people with uh, religious persuasion, mm -hmm. 
there's another definition that people have forgiven have for forgiveness, which is kind of uh, having your uh, sin or the blot from your sin, I guess, removed by God. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes people think in terms of forgiveness, uh, uh, I don't need you to forgive me. God's the only one who can forgive me, you know, mm -hmm. um, or I don't know if I put that quite right. But uh, sometimes, uh, you know, those are sometimes people think in those terms and those are two different things. Forgiveness from God and forgiveness from other people are two different things, right? Um, so if you're looking at forgiveness from God, look, like if, if there was something between you and me, Shar, I wouldn't need your forgiveness for me to be forgiven by God. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's, that's about, uh, you know, making myself right with God. Yeah. Okay. But if I want to restore my relationship with you, then I would need for you to forgive me, mm -hmm. right? Or the other way that people look at it that's kind of negative is they, uh, you know, from a religious perspective, they go, well, God has commanded us that we have to forgive everybody. So you have to forgive me. Mm -hmm. And that is also an equally, um, trying to think of the word, stupid uh, way of looking at forgiveness and entirely unproductive it's never damaging. going to lead to anything. It mm -hmm. is. It's damaging. And it, it just pushes people away. It is completely idiotic uh, to uh, go with that kind of message. If you want to make sure that people are going to push you away and say, you know what? You are an absolute monster. If you want to make it harder for people to actually forgive you, then go ahead and take that message. Well, you have to forgive me uh, because, uh, you know, but see, what that's really saying is you have to come back to me. You have to restore this relationship with me. You are forced to because God said for you to. But that's not really what forgiveness is. So kind of like these, forgiveness is a personal thing. It's giving up your own resentment. It's ridding yourself of the hatred, the anger, the vindictiveness, all that kind of stuff. And... You know, it can be a difficult process when there has been something seriously hurtful or damaging. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to talk about this being required to forgive. And in, on our podcasts here, um, you'll notice we talk a lot about more um, of the more difficult forgiving and um, torn relationships, estranged family members. And but... Um, yes, well, but I think that's important because, you know, like, if I'm like, hey, uh, I'm saving that cookie for later, and then you come and you're like, oh, look, a cookie, and you eat it, right? Number one, I will never forgive you if it's a habanero chocolate chip cookie, but <laughs> if it's any other cookie, then, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, okay, whatever, right? There's some things that are easy to forgive, small offenses. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's the big heavy ones where uh, people are really put to the test. Yes. But so, so we will go more <clears throat> like heavy, heavy in depth into you're required to forgive and the real, um, real nitty gritty of forgiveness um, later when we talk about forgiving an estranged family member. Today's more the more light just kind of an introduction type thing of you know this is these are good relationships yes. and but they're still required to have forgiveness and even the best of relationships yes and really the key thing to remember is that look when you when it comes to you forgiving another person it isn't to benefit the other person mm -hmm. okay when it comes to you telling somebody, maybe somebody has done something really egregious, really horrible. And when it comes to you telling them, hey, you know what? You should seek forgiveness from God, you know, or you should repent because you did this thing that's really horrible. Um, 
if you if you're moved upon to make that uh, statement, and sometimes it's um, appropriate, sometimes it's not. But you know, if uh, that is the message, then okay, that forgiveness, that forgiveness for God. If you're encouraging somebody else to repent, that is for them. But when I forgive someone else, it's not for them. They're not the ones who benefit from that forgiveness. I am because it's about removing the hatred from my heart. And mm-hmm. it, what it does is it opens a door for the other work to go for the reconciliation, the reforming of a relationship, things like that. But, you know, that's just that's just my part. Yeah. So um, just to give kind of an overview of being required to forgive, of course, in Matthew chapter 6, where the Lord's prayer is, mm-hmm. we um, know that Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one that's um, pretty well known. There's a lot of well known about, but like I said, we'll go more in depth than those when we're talking about a strange friend. This, you know, just an overview. I have another one here from Doctrine and Covenants, um, section 64, and I'm going to read it straight um, verses 9 and 10. Wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another. For he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord. For there remaineth in him the greater sin. I the Lord will forgive whom I will forgive. But of you it is required to forgive all men. Now like you said that doesn't mean you go to the people that you wronged and say you're required to forgive me. Right. This is for you as a person that has been wronged, when you're ready to, you know, yeah. take on what what the requirements are from the Lord. Yes. But um, let's see. I kind of already... Did you have anything you were going to say to that? No. Okay. Um, so I kind of already said this is more of normal forgiveness rather than, you know, um, egregious forgiveness of... Um, estranged parents, like family. deep wrongs. Yeah. So, abuse, things like that. So yeah, even in the best of relationships, forgiveness is an s- essential part of that relationship. Little things rub us the wrong way or, you know, accidents where I just eat a cookie that's sitting there that you were planning on eating, right? Like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and Misunderstandings. Yes, uh, misunderstandings. And... And there may be even some bigger things in loving relationships that will take a little more thought and effort to forgive. But because we love each other and we um, we can temp- typically um, move to the forgiveness phase more easily with those, you know, there's enough of, I've talked with my brother before and with other people, you know, you have enough of the positive things happening in your life that it's easier to look past or forgive some of those things um, that might rub us the wrong way or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So this is, um, you know, the normal forgiveness. Uh, when someone is dying, um, someone we care about, I can really see the value of I forgive you. In the book, Coaching at the End of Life by Dr. Don Eisenhower. Um, He says, no matter how wonderful your loved one is, he is a human being too and therefore also isn't perfect. You give him a wonderful gift by declaring that you hold nothing against him and that he is forgiving. Um, And I think I'm going to bring up my question. I don't know where I... Oh, I have it down later. But I kind of feel like this is a good place to put it. Um, You know, that like... If you're just going, I don't know. If you're like you're you're listening to this podcast, or you or you read um, the four things, because I forgot to mention we're basing this off of the four things by Ira Bjork, Ira Bjork, whichever it is, right? Um, You read that book and you're like, I'm gonna go say, you know, because they also say, um, I'll read this quote from Doctor Bjork from the book, The Four Things That Matters Most. Um, He says, you need not wait until you or someone you love is seriously ill. By taking the time and by caring enough to express forgiveness, gratitude, and affection, you can renew and revitalize your most precious connections. 
And then he goes on to say, because accidents and sudden illnesses do happen, it is never too soon to express forgiveness, to say thank you, and I love you to the people who have been an integral or inter intimate, intimate part of our lives, and to say goodbye is a blessing. So I'm just wondering if you like, I don't know, like, I've in our relationship, I've never gone up to anyone. Not even you, and you're the, my closest relationship. You're scaring me here. Okay. Or, you know, anyone that I care about, I've never just been go up, I forgive you, and then like... Right. I, I just, I feel like that's... So that's the question I brought up earlier. Is it awkward? I mean, maybe if you're having this whole conversation, you're like, um, you know, I love you. Thank you for all X, Y, and Z, right? We haven't gotten to thank you yet in the list of stuff. Or um, please forgive me for all these things that I've done. And mm-hmm. I forgive you. Amen. I don't know. Don't you think? I mean. It... I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I think that what you did there was actually better than what I was what I was thinking in my head you know if like because you said uh, please forgive me for whatever and I forgive you as well so that's a two-way thing if you just go to somebody and you say uh, you know what I forgive you Um, I think that it can be awkward and part of it is that there has to be an understanding of what is being forgiven, mm-hmm. right? So if you go to somebody, it's, say like uh, you've never even articulated what it was that they did that they need to be forgiven for, and you just walk up to them and you say, you know what, I forgive you. Then the question is, forgive me for what? Yeah, yeah. Forgive me for what? Being myself? For just well, even if you for did existing? Say- so, so you... You know, and it can kind of come off as, okay, so I have your permission to to live now. Well, I mean, okay, great, I guess, thanks, in a way. But at the same time, it is it can be a little bit more insulting because you don't even know what it is, you know, and you're like, well, I don't know what I actually did that I need to be forgiven for. Yeah, and even if you went in and said, you know, I forgive you for uh, not letting me it go to the prom or something you grounded me right before the prom or something you know it's like where did that come from you know right. i'm dying and you bring up the prom from right 40 years right, ago right, right. i mean i don't well, know um, and see this is the thing um when we look in the bible and jesus christ talks about resolving conflicts he says uh i should have the scripture here with me uh, I don't right now. Um, here, you take over for me. I'm going to try and find it. Okay. So I'm just saying, you know, I think that in this situation, it's when you're going to say, I forgive you, it really needs to be a two-way relationship. So you probably, you either need two things. One, that they're on their deathbed and they're like not... Um, they're not responding and you say these things and hope they understand you you know like when I I talked about when we I was kind of um, persuaded to do this when my dad was on his deathbed and he wasn't responding to things you know I guess you can just go and say I forgive you or sorry go ahead or I forgive you and for all these things and then they can't respond or you need to be having this conversation sooner and you need to be, it's its a give and take relationship. Or if you're going in there, you're going to plan on, you're going to be there for a while. This isn't just a, a half hour conversation. You're going to get more into things. And we'll turn the time back over. All to right. Oliver. So the scripture is Matthew 18, verse 15. Uh, and this is Jesus Christ talking. He says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. 
if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Uh, and then it continues on. It says, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. All right, so that's that's a different thing. Uh, hopefully, you don't ever have to get to that point uh, where you're looking for multiple witnesses to prove that your claims are true and whatnot. But really, you know, uh, you know, like the example you gave of the prom thing or whatever, you shouldn't be waiting until they're dying. You know, if it is a thing, and I mean, you brought it up because it, it happened. Well, it's or just something that came in, yeah. Your subconscious told you. So <laughs> yes, that did happen to me. It wasn't that I was grounded. It was that my parents uh, made me cancel on my date. Uh, the day before prom. So, yes, that was wonderful. Um, but, you know, that is something that I have tried to, I've gone to the other people involved, my parents, and I've brought it up, I've addressed it, and they have not heard me. And and see, that's uh, one of those things, like we're talking about the forgiveness if the other person... So you have to have an actual grievance. If you're going to go and say, please forgive me or I forgive you, there has to be a grievance that's known. Otherwise, it's, well, I forgive you for being a big idiot. And then it's almost more uh, insulting, you know. Well, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't ever know you thought that I was a big idiot. Well... You know, I guess thanks That's for your why forgiveness, I think... but now I, I'm just not sure that I, I really like you. That's much, that's you why know? I think um, it's it's a good if this is you know kind of a give and take conversation where the person is um, they'll say I'm sorry for this, and then that gives you the opportunity mm -hmm. to say I forgive you. Um, I don't know. Joseph says we have. Someone said, if there's a lot of recent action context, it might not be too awkward to say, I forgive you without other immediate verbal context. But without any context, it's likely to be weird and awkward. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you're in the middle of a problem, yes. Um, but at the same time, I think that it is important to actually address the thing uh, if we're all just hinting and just kind of going, well, we all understand. What you think you understand, they may not fully understand. The best way to make sure that everybody's on the same page is to communicate. Uh, communication has been a thing that I, has been a big deal for me a lot of times. Because sometimes what you think might be totally obvious. And you're like, no, I you, under you know exactly what I'm talking about. Many times, many times with us, there have been times when I'm like, Shart, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you very much do not yeah. know what yeah. I'm talking about. And vice versa, right? Sometimes you think that I know exactly what you're talking about, and I'm going, you're a crazy lady. I don't understand anything you're saying, right? And then when we finally get on the page, the same page, then we're both like, okay, okay, I get it, Right? Um, so I agree. Sometimes there doesn't need to be a whole lot said. Um, I guess if you're in the middle of, uh, you know, if somebody, I don't know, I can't think of the scenario right now, but if you're in the middle of something and you're both very much and the other person in it and the other person knows that they're doing something that's wrong and you say right in the middle of it, you know what? I forgive you. Um, that helps, but then that should hopefully prompt the other person to also say, look, I'm sorry. Um, and that's where that uh, going and meeting and uh, have you found your brother, so to speak. You know, that's reconciliation is different from forgiveness real forgiveness done the right way done the way that jesus christ talked about will lead uh to a reconciliation 
But even if they do not hear you, even if they refuse to hear you, your forgiveness at bare minimum. So it, it can open up the door to reconciliation later on if at some point they decide to hear you, okay? But at bare minimum, it removes the hatred from your heart because the hatred will poison you and it will basically make it harder for you to love anyone. Well, and I think um, I actually, I really appreciate the comment that we yes, had. Can, that was good. Can you Thank let you. us know who said it? Their name is Ardent Last. Okay. So they did so they were in the chat okay no and so yeah thank you for commenting that's like what we're looking for yeah and i think you bring up a really good point the content if you're in the middle of something and the context you don't that's what we're trying to say here yes don't wait until someone's dying have it when if you're in the the middle of that is if you're able to say it truthfully that is the best way to handle it is in the middle of the context, or in the middle of the conflict, sorry, uh, in the middle of the conflict, before things get out of hand, you know, and before it gets to the point of needing witnesses and going to, you know, the elders of the church. I didn't read the verses after that. Um, so, you know, all that kind of stuff, before it gets to that part, when you're in the middle of it, just take care of it. Don't let it become a bigger thing. Um, But that also takes some self-awareness for people to recognize when they're doing something that's inappropriate. And it takes a lot of humility for somebody who is doing something that is hurting someone else to be able to... It takes humility from that person to be able to say, you know what, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do that anymore. But it also takes humility from... Uh, the person who is, who has the accusation, um, to not turn it into uh, you're a horrible person because of this, mm-hmm. right? So, I actually have have my own personal experience that I wanted to share about um, kind of doing this. Um, it wasn't like this is before. I read the books and, but, um, so before my brother died, my, uh, my sister-in-law, she, uh, sent out a message to everyone in the family and say, Mark's not doing well. Right. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know how long it was going to be. She didn't really know, but just that things had turned for the worse for him. Well, we did have a discussion and I told you, I said that I felt like you should go. Yes. So go. So, but, but it's like, you know, I had another sister was planning on going to visit him like about, uh, three weeks after us mm-hmm. and, um, and she didn't get to go cause it was too late. So it was just, you know, we didn't know, we didn't have a time frame really, but we, right. um, um, we decided that I was going to go pretty much immediately. Right. Um, and at that time, we hadn't had, my brother and I hadn't had the best relationship for the past couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, yeah, you told me that I should go. And, and I went and we had this, we had this kind of discuss, discussion. We talked about the grievances and, you know, Mark um, saying, you know what, I, I don't even care anymore. I'm dying. None of it matters. Um, you know, I love you and I forgive you. You know, we said the things and, um, I was so grateful that I went and had this conversation with Mark and wished that I had done it sooner. Um, those last two weeks. So after I left, he died, um, two weeks later, those last two weeks of his life was so fun to communicate with him. Mark has a great sense of humor and we texted back and forth and um it's something that I missed and um I wish I had that longer but I'm so grateful that I had that hurt hurt and grief 
that it was there because I knew that love and forgiveness brought that pain of him dying, you know, that hurt and grief, mm -hmm. the pain of him dying and, you know, the pain that I still have when I think about him being gone. But, um, yeah, we had, we had no idea, you know, if it was that it was only going to be two or three more weeks when we got the, well, I guess it ended up being like three weeks. Like I said, my sister, um, missed her time to go say goodbye. Um, and she regrets that. But anyway, I just really, I mean, even if they're not dying and maybe sometimes it's harder it, it, if they're not dying, if it's a little bit more deep, deep hurt, because sometimes people aren't ready, but even like your dad, he was dying and he wasn't, he wasn't about to listen to anybody. He wasn't ready to, but that yeah. that's an extreme that's a, case. <laughs> it is. It is an extreme case. It's and we'll be talking about case. those. Um, yeah. In, in uh, a later episode. And, and see, that's one of the things, unfortunately, and that's like when we went to visit him, that was one of the things I was hoping to, because uh, he had shown a glimmer of being willing to listen at one point, and I was hoping to maybe break through and now that he's at the end of his life, get something where he'd really be willing to listen to any and all of his children and be able to wrap things up in a healthy way that didn't leave behind resentment and hatred. Or, I mean, really, the work to completely do that would have taken years. Uh, but at least give them something that would help them to be able to rid themselves of that, complete that forgiveness process easier uh, because it is easier to forgive when you know that the other person uh, loves you, right? Yes, yeah. It, that forgiveness, a lot of it is restoring the love in your heart that has been lost for another person, okay? And it's easier to restore love for people who you know or at least believe love you, okay? Um it's been said a million times over uh, hundreds, thousands, millions of years. I don't know how long. Love begets love. Mm -hmm. uh, when you love others, they love you in, in return. It is a universal truth. And um, when others do not love you, and when it's very clear that they do not love you, it is harder to return, to uh, forgive. It's hard to uh, restore that relationship. And so... You know, anyway, that's a whole big conversation we don't really have time for. Yeah, so there's not a lot of, you know, how to do this if it's it's a matter of, you know. And I do have, um, I don't think we have time for it today. Maybe we'll get into another uh one of these weeks that we're talking about this forgiveness thing, but I do have uh, kind of a definition that I have worked off of for years on uh, how, because sometimes people will think, well, how do I know if I have fully forgiven mm -hmm. somebody? Uh, because maybe you're like, okay, you know what? I forgive you. Do you really mean it in your heart? Do you really forgive them 100% entirely? Uh, have you, you know, and how do you know when you've really reached that point? Because maybe they're going to do something and you're just going to be like, oh my gosh, again, really? And it can become this point where, uh, you know, then you go, how do I, how do I fully forgive you? How do I completely let it go when you keep doing stupid things that keep making it worse, right? And so sometimes that can uh, be part of the problem. And I do have a way that I have used a definition for how I define when is that for, when, how can you say, when can you say, yes, I have actually forgiven this person? So you have shared this before. And I think that we will, um, that's a good, you all can think about mm -hmm. 
how would you define knowing that you forget? And since I've shared it before, you can go back and watch all of our episodes and try and find. Oh, I was maybe gonna tell where it is, <laughs> but I. Oh, come on. <laughs> but, it's a scavenger hunt. Yes. So you've probably told it more than once, but I know probably have. Know specifically where one of them is. Anyway, but we will probably a good place to talk about that is probably when we talk about forgiving and a, saying I forgive you. Or forgiving, yeah, an estranged yes. family member. That would be a good place to talk about it, which will probably be um, a couple more episodes about when we're talking about well, forgiveness. Uh, because I'm absolutely shameless also, I will say that I have also talked about it somewhere else in written form. I typed it out, and then it went and, well, I published it. Yeah. So I'm not sure which book it's in, Blessed, Cursed, or One, just read all three. <laughs> I don't remember either. So. I don't know. I've talked about it a lot of times. Yeah. So there's not a lot of instruction we can give you in doing this for, uh, you know, with loved one. You can take our examples and, you know, just kind of you know, yeah. pray on it. And really the, the key thing is... Do it sooner rather than later. I think that's our yeah, and and do table. it. And you know what? Look, I get it. It can be daunting. It can be terrifying. It can seem like uh, something that is just not possible, depending on how severe a situation may be. But it is possible. Um, however impossible it may seem to forgive a person or to be forgiven, maybe you're the one who's done something. And you need to be forgiven. And you've done something that you're like, I don't see how anybody could ever forgive me. Um, the forgiveness is possible. Forgiving is possible. But only for those who uh, try. Those who try to be forgiven. And those who, trying to be forgiven also means making it right. Okay. Fixing what you've done wrong. For those who seek forgiveness. And for those who uh, want to forgive, you're never going to get there if you don't do something. And the time to do something is not when uh, the other person is dead. Because I'll tell you what, if you let it wait until the other person's dead, good luck. It is a lot harder to patch something up and to for have that forgiveness and everything else with somebody who is not there, who cannot communicate back with you, than it is with somebody who is there, who can communicate back. Remember what I said about it's easier to forgive when you know the other person loves you. Mm -hmm. If that is never communicated in a believable way before the other person dies, it's hard to believe it, and it's hard to get to that point. And so you're left with, hatred resentment that festers and it's a lot harder to get rid of so don't wait around take care of that crap yeah so i think we can are we ready to move on to our audience question sure well we'll answer this all right so uh are there any other comments about um whether people feel like it's awkward to forgive or anything uh, like that, Joe. The Joe? only really thing is uh, she said her name, her real name, and she said Andy Nickus Packard. Oh, yeah. Hey, Andy. I didn't know you were watching. <laughs> Andy uh, went to high school with me. Oh. So. Yeah, I thought maybe you guys knew her, so I was like, oh. Well, thanks for watching. Yeah. That's Seriously, I didn't know. That's... That's good. Thanks. So, I hope we said something that helps. Um, it does. It does. It's nice to know that we're talking to somebody, you know. Um, You're talking I, to me. Well, I know, but I'm, I mean. <laughs> Just kidding. Geez, Char, <laughs> gosh. Look, Andy, thank, thank you sincerely from me personally. Thank you for watching. I really do appreciate it. Um, and I, I really do hope that. I mean, I don't know all of the situations you've dealt with, but I hope that we've said something that is helpful. We really do want to be helpful to everybody who listens. Um, so, yeah. 
Thank you for commenting that knowing that it was you makes it more special. So, <laughs> um, so we have a question, another audience question, um, and we'll answer, I guess, um, what is your dream job? Um, so answer, you can answer below if you're on and we is Jedi Knight a valid answer or is that, I'm just kidding. Is this a fantasy job or a dream job? What like, is... uh, it has to be a real job. It doesn't have to be real. It can be whatever you want it to kidding. be. I, I mean, I, I never actually wanted to be a Jedi Knight Okay. because Jedis can't get married. Oh, so. Uh, do you want me to answer or do you want to give them a chance to answer? Or do you want to answer? Well, I think we're answering and then we'll check and see if anyone answers. Okay. I'll it's answer. Your, it's your game. I'm just trying to play by your rules. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if this is my dream job anymore necessarily, but it's one for a long time that I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to be a flower deliverer. Okay. Um, and someone asked me once, they're like, you want to put the flowers together too? And I'm like, no, I'm not very good at that. Although I did do flower arrangements so for church. So are we talking about flower in... delivery, sort of like newspaper delivery? Like, no, throw, actually. Just like throw the flowers at their door? I think that would be pretty awesome. No, like you take the bouquet to someone. So I know like funerals, not necessarily, but other than funerals, it's like, you, if you take it to live people, <laughs> you're like, everyone would love to see you, right? You're getting flowers in the delivered to you, and you're like, ah, flowers, thank you. And I would love to see happy people, and flowers are pretty, and so. Okay, so you want something that makes people happy. Yeah. Okay. So... I don't have one answer, Char. Oh, I know. All right, but... so look. Here's the thing, okay? So when I was younger, so I could make my answer a little bit more exciting by saying I wanted to be a dragon hunter. Okay. But not really a dragon hunter, more of a paleontologist. No. Which is sort of looking for uh, probably what people interpreted as dragons back in the day. Uh -huh. I mean, that's what I think. Uh, but yes, growing up, I, I wanted to be a paleontologist so bad. And it wasn't just like, you know, I wasn't like every other little kid with a passing interest in dinosaurs that I'm like, oh, dinosaurs are cool. They're big and scary. No, I was like, I was checking out advanced books on paleontology and dinosaurs when I was a kid mm -hmm. and like learning all of their scientific names studying um, how the musculature would attach to the bones and looking at the bone structures. I was a bit of a nerd for this kind of stuff. But dinosaurs are freaking awesome, okay? So yes, I would have loved to have been a paleontologist. One of the things that kind of dissuaded me from that, there were actually kind of two main things. One is... It's one of those few jobs where you get a PhD and then you don't make any money, okay? Because you're either in a school teaching or you're in a field digging and constantly begging for somebody to fund your dig, okay? And uh, so paleontologists, there isn't really like a huge demand for them and there isn't really like good pay. So I, well, and you know, Living out in the middle of nowhere, I figured would probably not be the best for my family. Although we've done that. And now I'm like, we should have just done it and looked for dinosaurs. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, and I mean, we've never had any money anyway. So I don't know what the heck I was thinking. Should have just done it. But the other uh, big thing that pushed me away from it, uh, it is you have to get a Ph.D., which means a long time of going to school and a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> and the kind of schools where I would want to go to are not the kind of schools that are cheap. Believe it or not, there's no associate's degree from a community college in paleontology. Shocking, I know. Well, you did say PhD. <laughs> yes, I did. 
but yeah, so, you know, it was a lot of school. I never had money. And honestly, growing up, I never actually, like when I was a teenager, other people would talk about going to college. I didn't ever think college was even a possibility for me because uh, I knew that I didn't have any money and I probably wouldn't have believed myself capable of even achieving it anyway. But now my dream job. What I really want now that I'm older and it's too late to hunt for dinosaurs or dragons or whatever mm-hmm. is um, I want to have just a small restaurant, okay? Small place. I don't want anything with a hundred covers or night or anything else crazy like that. A small building that I can own and I want to build my own kitchen. I don't want any uh, commercial restaurant equipment. I want to build the kitchen the way that I want to build it and I want everything to be wood fired, okay? So I want to have, I want to build my own oven. I want to build my own uh, various cooking setups. And yes, I do have designs and plans and all kinds of things. And I know exactly how I'd build it. And I want to go in and do everything by hand and do maybe like 10 covers, 20 covers tops, um, and maybe only even open for business like two, three nights a week. So we're not, this isn't the kind of thing where it's open every day. Uh, this would be small numbers. And of course, with all that would come high prices, uh, but do everything to a really high level, just total emphasis on quality and uh, pre-fee menu. So. Uh, not a la carte where you can go and look at the menu and go, oh, I want this, this, and this. Uh, no. Pre-fee means you eat what I make. Uh, there's a set menu and you go and there are, you know, two, three, four courses, whatever it is. And when you pay, you get the whole thing. And so that's kind of what I would really like to do. Will it ever happen? I don't know. But I feel like it's more realistic at this point in my life, more achievable than hunting dragons. <laughs> so, Joseph, did we have anyone that answered what their dream job is? Okay. So, I think... Well, we can come back to it, but let's move on to... So. Well, I, I'm not sure if... We have time for your rant. Unless you can keep it down to like two or three minutes. I will try. All right. So, Oliver rants. All right. You ready for a rant? Okay. So, I was in the Air Force for eight years. For six of those years, I worked in armament systems. Okay. Or we called it kind of the nickname for the career field, is weapons. All of the guys are in armament systems. We talk about it as weapons. We call ourselves weapons troops, okay? And basically, the basics of the job are we load bombs, missiles, ammunition onto uh, aircraft that carry bombs, missiles, and ammunition. And then we also would maintain uh, all of the systems uh, that would deploy those bombs, missiles, ammunition. So we're talking about guns, we're talking about missile launchers, bomb racks, everything up to the point where the pilot pushes a button to release. From that point all the way to the point of release, we would maintain everything. Okay, so there's mechanical skills, electrical skills, all that stuff. Anyway, the point is, I've worked a lot with weapon systems on aircraft, okay? The aircraft that I worked on, I worked F-15E models uh, for three years, and I worked A-10s in a back shop. F-15E models were flight line, all right? So flight line, you're actually loading, and you take stuff off that's broken, but then when it's broken, you don't fix it on the flight line. You send it to the back shop. The back shop are the ones that actually tear everything apart, fix it, put it back together, send it back out to the flight line. So I've worked both uh, aspects of the job. Mm -hmm. My point is... 
Here's where we get to it. I think that F-22s and F-35s are an absolute waste of money and are total garbage. Okay. And, you know, I remember the first time that I heard about F-22s, F-35s, I was like, oh my gosh, these things are amazing. Uh, and there was an F-22 came to the base and it was flying around. And I saw it doing things up in the air. I'd never even thought was possible for a jet. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's freaking awesome. Right? And I remember the first time I watched a video of an F-35 doing a vertical takeoff. The whole engine in the back just like boop. And then boop. All right. So it was awesome. Right? And uh, I just thought they were amazing jets. Uh, how quickly they could uh, go supersonic and everything else. The stealth capability. I mean, all of it is just like, dude, what is not to love about these things? And I thought that they were awesome. Because everything was always about how their awesome flight capabilities and and the stealth, right? And I thought they were awesome up until I uh, went on a TDY or a temporary duty assignment. Um, and we got to, so we uh, went to a base and one of the guys who we had worked with, he had pcs or uh, transferred out to the base that we were visiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, hey, uh, since you guys are here, let me show you around. And so he showed us around. He was working the F-22 program. And this was when they were... So this was when they kind of figured... Excuse me. Kind of finally figured things out. Okay? So he showed us around the F-22. And part of what he was doing at that time was trying to figure out how to configure the weapons program or the weapons system on the F-22. Because when they built the F-22, they didn't build it with very much consideration for the weapons. They didn't even know how to mount the gun. How they were going to put it in there. And so they had to figure out how to get this gun in there, um, you know, in order to preserve the stealth. And so because of preserving the stealth, they had to put the gun at this weird angle... So it couldn't even fire straight forward because, and they had to have a door that would open and then close after it fired because the fact of the matter is any amount of bare metal showing will give off a radar signature. And if you're going to have stealth, you can't have bare metal showing. Case in point, one of the things that was discovered about radar in World War II and this is something that was actually done in World War II, was that you can get a radar signature off of just a tiny bit of metal. There was a mission, the story goes, that there was a mission where a bomber pilot had a piece of gum and he threw the foil wrapper out his window and people were like, holy cow, where did that plane come from? Because it showed up on the foil wrapper, showed up on the radar as another plane. And everybody was trying to figure out where the heck did this extra plane just like appear from? It just appeared out of nowhere. And then that, you know, then they were like, oh, the foil gave off a radar signature. Then that led to, they would gather up foil, they'd dump it out to confuse radar, okay, make it look like there was a whole bunch. And like, if you have a radar guided missile or something like that, that is employed today in the form of what is called chaff. Mm-hmm. Chaff is little bits of metal that are ejected out of a jet to confuse a radar-guided missile so that it doesn't hit the jet, so that it hits the chaff and blows up there. Okay? So any amount of metal showing will give off a radar signature. Okay? And the F-22s and F-35s work the same way. The only way that they can... So if they carry any bombs on the outside, not stealth. Not stealth at all. Okay? Any missiles on the outside, your stealth capability is nil. It is completely obliterated. You have so no stealth. So what self. is the airplane made of then? Well, it's... The stealth stuff has to do with the paint that is oh. going on there and the angles and things like that. Okay. There's a lot that goes into it, okay? But it's bare metal that is showing that will always give off a uh, signature. And so you can't have an open gun port. It, gun port is the point. So they had to, uh, you know... In order for it to uh, fire, they had to have this door that would slide back, and then the gun. And yeah, it's like the pilot's flying like this and then shooting. It, it's stupid. Um, 
the kinds of things that they would have to do. Then uh, I saw inside of the weapons bays inside of the jet, and there was barely enough room to fit anything in there, number one. Number two, you'd have to figure out some rig where, I mean, firing a missile would just, yeah. It was really stupid and complicated. And then also from a loader's perspective, you could hard, I mean, from what I was seeing, if I were trying to load that, because, you know, we put the bombs on this lift truck that we call a jammer. I was a jammer driver. I was like, if I was driving up on this thing with a jammer, I would not be able to see what in the world I was doing. And so I wouldn't be able to line it up properly. Plus, coming in at some weird angle because of other things in the way, it was just a big mess, okay? F-35 is really no different from the F-22, okay? And they are full of problems. And I said right then and there, when we were looking at this thing, I was like, because I asked them, I said, so are there pylons for this thing? And they said, oh no, there will never be pylons put on these jets. A pylon is like, if you see on a jet, there's a little thing that hangs off and there's like a fuel tank hanging from it or missiles on it or bombs. or whatever. So those are pylons. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so he said, oh no, there's no pylons for the F-22. There will never be pylons. Because if there are pylons, your stealth does not exist. Pylons would show up. Okay, and I said, there's no, there's no way. This thing can't uh, carry enough to actually be effective at anything without having pylons to give its carrying capacity a boost, right? And same thing with F-22, same thing with F-35. And I said, uh, mark my words, they're going to start putting pylons on these things because they're going to realize how completely worthless these jets are, right? And nowadays, if you go look at pictures of F-22s, F-35s, if you see them like on a tarmac or whatever at a base, well, a lot of them have pylons loaded. And they, they have bombs and missiles on those pylons and external fuel tanks. Because if you don't have external fuel tanks, then the range of your aircraft is limited, sometimes severely. And we don't really like just cover short distances with our aircraft nowadays okay so the point is f-22 f-35 are really great amazing aircraft okay and they can do some incredible things with flight and anytime i read an article about f-22 f-35 the things that i always see are it talks about stealth and talks about pilots going hey man these things are awesome hey you know what i can do hey blah blah, blah. and always talking about flight okay well look here's the thing Pilots don't know anything. Pilots are idiots. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, not all pilots. Some pilots are not idiots. But uh, if you want to focus on the flight capabilities, fantastic. Replace all of the jets in the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels with F-35s and F-22s. Fantastic. Take it to an air show. Have a ball. Your the quality of your air shows is going to shoot through the roof. But these aren't. Uh, joy rides these are weapons platforms we used to have a saying in weapons that without weapons we're just u.s air not u.s the force comes from the weapons if the jet isn't a weapons platform then it's just a joy ride and all you are is u.s air and that that's the problem is that these uh aircraft were built with weapons as an afterthought and, you know, there's been a lot of debate over the years about the F-35 replacing the A-10 and, you know, all of those articles. Everybody's always talking about how, well, the A-10, its flight capabilities are blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, the A-10 was actually designed, it was one of the few jets that was actually designed as a weapons platform. It was designed around a weapon, which is why it is so incredibly effective. And so I've always said, you want to replace the A-10? Fine. Wonderful, fantastic. Design a jet around the weapon the way that the A-10 was designed. Design something that's better, that's more modern, that has better capabilities than the A-10. Wonderful. But design it as a weapons platform, not as a cool jet. And see, here's the other thing. And here's kind of one of those main points is that all of the articles, they all talk about dogfights and pilots and dogfights and aerial, you know, exercises with other pilots and everything else. Dogfights are largely a thing of the past. In fact, they are so much a thing of the past 
that, so I was working at 15 uh, e-models from 2003 to 2006, right in the middle of the early years of the Iraq war, okay? We stopped deploying F-15C models, I think like in 2004, 2005, around then, okay? Why did we stop deploying F-15C models? Because F-15C models had a strict air-to-air -air mission. In other words, they only, uh, what it, their main mission, they were designed to attack things that are in the air, okay? F-15E models had an air-to-ground mission, meaning they were striking things that are on the ground, but they could also handle things that were in the air. But the fact of the matter is, there was no air-to-air -air threat at all. So it was pointless to even deploy air-to-air -air aircraft, aircraft that specialized in air-to-air, -air, aka dogfighting. It's not a thing that was happening anymore because we had already established such air superiority, there was no threat in the air. And, you know, I understand we got to keep up uh, our capabilities and all that, but really the vast majority of the uh, capabilities that are needed are air to ground. Air to air um, isn't really so much of a threat anymore. And so basing your entire uh, air force and your entire inventory on air-to-air -air and pilots with their stupid dreams of dogfighting and becoming uh, aces and all that other kind of stuff is, I mean, it's wasting trillions of dollars. I mean, I think it's trillions. I don't know. It's a lot of money. It's wasting a lot of money, and it's really just stupid. So uh, I am not a fan of the F-35 or the F-22. They are massive wastes of taxpayer money. And uh, they're both kind of garbage, which is why the F-22 program was actually scrapped. The F-22 is like one of the only jets I can think of. It was supposed to be like the, the new thing for the future and was retired like, like five years into it or something like that. I don't know. It was, I mean, we got A-10s flying around that are older than me and... They already retired the F-22 <laughs> because it's useless. That's why. And the F-35 is really just a less capable F-22. Okay. The only reason the F-35 is still around is because it's cheaper than the F-22. Because people were looking at the F-22 and going, okay, well, I mean, we really can't. Uh, keep doing this. This is way too much money for these pieces of garbage. They're cool pieces of garbage but they are pieces of garbage. And F-35 is just a less expensive, cool piece of garbage. They're cool, cool, terrible weapons platforms. And their stealth, don't even talk to me about their stealth because all of their stealth nowadays is completely worthless. Anyway, that's my rant. And if you don't like it, well then, I don't know. Too bad. Uh, so that's the rant from a weapons guy, uh, from a weapons perspective. Um, I can't tell you how many stupid things I've seen from pilots. Too many to count. All right, I think we had a comment, Joe. Yeah. So I could say who's. So it's from Andy again. Okay. Okay. I couldn't see it because I had to refresh the page to see comments. And so she said her dream job is a, a high ticket coach, and then she commented again and said a transformational life coach oh oh transformational life so andy wants to be a transformational life coach okay oh. i i've never heard of transformational uh life coach i've heard it, i don't know there's lots of different kinds of life coaches there are they there, yeah there's a lot of them but i don't i'm not familiar with that either okay i'll have to look it up yeah i guess so all right, so I uh, know I I think we I probably did take too much time with you, my rent. You way took more way, than, way than two or three. Time. Sorry. <laughs> I those F thirty fives, F twenty twos are just dumb. Okay, I'm sorry. The rant is over. I shouldn't be talking about them anymore. <laughs> we need to move on to cookies because we're already out of time. So cookies this week, Shara, what do we have? These are um. 
I I guess chocolate chunk is probably the right word. Chocolate mm -hmm. chunk from from Sam's. a special craft bakery. Yeah, Sam's Club. Sam. Ooh. I so, wonder who this Sam is and how one would join his club. Interesting. We joined his club. I mean, it's basically um, a dry, chewy chocolate chip cookie. It is chewy, but it is dry. Mm -hmm. And I haven't eaten anything today, so the chocolate's really hitting me as good um it's not great yeah i'm getting a little bit of a film in my mouth and i feel like so i i'm not normally a cookie dipper like dipping cookies in milk but i feel like this needs some milk so the film is because from it's shortening dry. or i mean i think that yeah i think that there is some shortening in this um it's okay. I mean, it's a Sam's Club cookie. These are made en masse. They're made to be cheap because they're made cheaply. So, it's fine. Yeah, uh, it's, I it's mean, for it, a, for a you, cheap cookie. You know what it is when you go into it. Nobody is biting into this. I it hate, is. I hate Chips Ahoy. It is. It's better than Chips Ahoy. But you know what it is when you go into it. It's not going to be great, but it's also not... Uh, inedible so yeah I mean it's all right Sam's Club cookie and basically we did these this week because um, look you know how we're making a bunch of crap for Dominic's uh, graduation party well look even we have limits we can't make everything okay guys geez sometimes there are some things that you're just gonna have to buy especially when you're short on time and Lindy's been working hard lately, and we were like, okay, well, we'll give Lindy a little bit of a break. So we just bought some cookies because it was easier. And because we're really putting in uh, some effort with some of the other stuff. Yeah. So, anyhow. Um, it, again, please um, follow us on Rumble or wherever you get your podcasts so you can be notified when we... Have an episode come yeah. or um, rumble. They let you know when we're live streaming, so then you can participate. So, yeah. I think okay. So until next, even though you all look like a camera, um, when we see you next week. Uh, until then, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. I'm a big idiot. Memento mori, usquergo vivere. Remember, you will die. Until then, live and forgive others. And me for being a big dumb idiot. <laughs> <laughs>